Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Lori Ann from Salt Lake City. And today's uh, story title for Lorianne is, well, what about Bob? So, Lorianne, <laughs> you were on last week's show. We were talking about how, unfortunately, you had gone through a terrible uh, separation from your kids. Part of the reasoning for that separation at the beginning was a new component to your relationship with the kids, uh, this gentleman that, that we've named Bob. And I'm kind of curious, and I think the audience is, too, whatever happened to Bob, did you guys end up riding off into the sunset together? (laughs) And uh, with that, the floor is yours. Thank you for coming back. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit more. Um, You know, it's funny. There were so many pieces of the story just as things unfolded. One of the things I neglected to mention was that the kids very much made the whole thing about Bob uh, in that once I, I asked my son to go to his dad's house until we could get a behavior plan, the next thing I heard from the kids was an ultimatum in that either you break up with Bob, the man you're seeing, or we'll never speak to you again. And that turned the whole thing into a power dynamic. So, right? so let me ask you this. Right when, right when you hear this, Mm-hmm. Is, is there a piece of you that like, does, does your stomach just go empty and you feel like, oh, no, that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst possible thing they could be requesting. Or were you instantly like, no, we're not going to go down this road. What were you thinking right when you heard that? Um, I was instantly angry and upset. It was like, no, this is not how this was working. That's a power dynamic. You're 12 and 15. It is utterly inappropriate. And so what I told the kids was, look, I love you guys. I want to work this out. But you deciding that you want control over my life is not okay. I said, I will choose me. I don't know what that looks like. But as long as you're going to hold an ultimatum over me, I'm not playing this game. Because I knew that if I chose the kids over anybody else in my life under that particular situation, then the kids would then have more control the next time too. It's like, well, if we don't like something, we'll just issue the ultimatum again, you know, and at 12 and 15, that's not okay. So I needed to nip that in the bud. At the same time, if I chose Bob over my kids or anybody else over my kids, that just like, that's not who I am. I couldn't like, there's just no way I could do that. So I chose a third path. I said, I will choose me. I want to work this out. Let's figure it out. And they chose to hold with the ultimatum and everything went from there. I did choose to stay with Bob, not because of that dynamic, but for other reasons. It was a relationship. He was standing by me. Uh, It was a relationship that was better at that stage than any I had had before uh, up to that point. And so I, you know, and I was grateful he was standing by me. Um, And it was a learning opportunity in many ways. 
I recognized through that full year long process of, you know, as things were going through the courts, that I needed to find a space in myself where however things wound up, I'd never made it about the relationship. Because I knew that if I stayed with Bob, I want to say whether as a crutch or as a choice or anything else, there could potentially be a dynamic where at some point I look at it and go, well, but you owe me because I stayed with you and I lost my kids for you kind of thing. And I never wanted it to make it about that. It's like, if I choose to be here, I choose to be here because I choose. And if I choose to leave, I choose to leave because I choose. That needed to be my choice. And so I wound up creating this dynamic within myself where you know, I, I was reshaping my life because everything up to that point had been my kids first, and now it couldn't be. And so, what I did for that whole year was every time I walked past a mirror, I would ask myself, who do I choose to be as I walk through this so that no matter how things turn out later, I can look back and know I did the right thing for me. Because, I mean, when things started, Bob and I had only been together like six months. So I knew it was a relationship that could go any direction at that stage. Now, did you, did you, did you and Bob hit it off from the get-go or did the kids have some red flags about him that maybe they brought up like, hey, I don't really like how Bob does this, that, and the other? Were there any negatives that maybe Bob had brought that they had mentioned or was it just instant chemistry with you and Bob? I wouldn't say it was instant chemistry. I was feeling things out. I know that there were some, you know, communication challenges. Uh, it didn't seem to me like anything that was a major red flag at the time. But I mean, I look back now and maybe, but it, it's still, it's like, okay, well, it's relationship stuff. It's, you know, you meet somebody and there's a misunderstanding. How do you work that out? Well, my son has a different way of working that out than my daughter did. And then, you know, Bob has his way of working things out based on his own family history. And, you know, there's all of those dynamics to try to work through. So there wasn't anything that was like, oh, this is really a big deal. I thought it was all stuff we could work out and I wanted to. Did Bob ever come up to you at the beginning and say, Ann, I'm willing to walk away so that you can keep this unit, which is, you know, you and your kids together. Was he, was he, did he have any inner guilt that he was, you know, causing a divide between you and the kids? Not that he expressed at the time. In fact, that was, that was something he didn't tell me until just a few months ago that he did experience guilt at the time that, in essence, he wound up to some degree sort of staying with me once the kids separated because he felt guilty and wanted to support me, at least for a little while. But none of that was part of the conversation at the time. Those are things he didn't tell me until literally just a couple months ago. So you're still with Bob. You guys are, did you guys end up getting married? No, 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 no. We did stay together. I actually did just leave that relationship about a month ago. 
Uh, and so it's something that's still kind of new in terms of walking away. And it's something that I thought very hard and long about. But it, it's also something that I know is the right decision for me. Just like, you know, at the beginning, it was like, you, you know, I need to make this decision based on what I feel is right for me at this particular time. Um, so finding those places in myself is not something that I take lightly by any means, because I know there are ripple effects in other people's lives. So I tend to make decisions rather slowly, especially when there is a lot riding on it. Um, but I do feel like I've made the right choice at this stage. So your, your, your situation with Bob, I find interesting because when you guys first get together, especially after your kids end up, I assume, leaving you to move in with their, their dad full time, right? Mm-hmm. I, I assume there's a uniqueness where all of a sudden maybe you feel like, I don't know, maybe like a teenager again, not from the standpoint mentally, but just from the standpoint of now you have maybe some freedoms that you didn't necessarily have, you know, the previous years. Um, I did get to that place, but it wasn't right at first because of the grief. There was a long stage of just trying to cope and find a reason to get up in the morning and get through the day's activities. Bob and I did wind up working together. He had a business that I joined and became a part of so that I, I at some level, used that to keep myself focused and working and doing something productive. Uh, And we had plans for a long time to travel and there were places we were able to go and experiences that, you know, we did have together that were really wonderful that I I may or may not have been able to have uh, if the kids had been in my life. Although who knows, maybe we would have had different experiences that were equally as good. You know, I don't know what would have been different But there was definitely a level of chaos that left just in all the years trying to deal with the kid's dad, my ex-husband, and the levels of, uh, I don't know how else to explain it other than chaos that he was constantly introducing. I certainly did not miss that part. Um, So in a way, things did calm down, but the grief replaced it. Um, And I will say there were times, there were a couple of times that I was suicidal during that period as well, and really had to dig deep. Because up to that point in my life, my kids were number one, and I didn't realize just how much my entire identity had become being mom until the kids left. And so there was this ongoing question for a very long time around, well, if I'm, I'm not mom every day, who am I? And that was difficult. I mean, there were times you know, when I was a single mom and, and working through my own healing process before any of this, that I had become suicidal as well. And I had literally chosen not to take action on that because I had the kids. So I, had, I was literally living for the kids uh, in my life at some level. And so now that, you know, that, that stage of them being gone, I had to completely redo me from the absolute beginning out and find a reason to live again, literally in many, many ways. So last show, 
you told us that Bob had showed you, I guess, what the ideal relationship could be. And he was obviously making you exceptionally happy, but obviously you said you're no longer with Bob now. Are you guys just on a little break or is this more long-term or will we hear more about Bob and, and Lori's future? Um, for me, this is a permanent separation. I walked away. Um, there are some things that, I mean, it, how do I say it? As time went by, I saw more and more personality quirks and differences that were a mismatch. I think at the beginning, though, because of the grief, I wasn't seeing those things, for one. And the ones I did see, I really wasn't able to have the strength, the emotional strength to sit down and go, okay, what does this really mean? And how do I set boundaries around it? So because everything happened so early in the relationship, it changed how I may have managed certain things at the beginning. Because, you know, that that first year, two years of a relationship, you're really figuring out, you know, what are the dynamics of this relationship, right? And so, since the kids left, you know, at kind of the six-month mark and everything fell apart from there, a lot of those dynamics were not set up well. And because I was in this emotional grief and vulnerability, because I was having to work through other things, and it's only kind of in looking back that I can recognize some of that. I just was not able to do it at that stage. So, as I worked through the grief, as I found myself in a different way because I was very, very conscious in that process of redefining who I choose to be, that I would never make it about somebody else in my life again, ever, period. It would not be about who can I be for this partner? Who can I be for... It just, it needed to be, who do I choose to be for me? So if your kids were to hear that statement come out of your mouth right there... Would, and then they were to say, mom, was it all worth it? Was, it? was it worth losing us for this Bob guy who now you're no longer with? What would your answer be? That is a difficult question, to be honest. There are parts of me that look back and go, well, if I'd never met him or if maybe I'd made a different choice, but I would have had to have been a different person at that stage as well. I am who I am now because of these life events. And so to try to judge what might have been is, is irrelevant, for one thing. For another piece, the, the, who my son was at the time, and I'll say it that way because I don't know who he is today, and it's been years. Uh, he is an adult now, but who he was at the time because of the hormone shift, because of the Asperger's, I don't think it was really about Bob. Uh, I think if I had started dating anybody, any man in my life would have triggered certain things. And even if I had not started dating, my son and I were, were coming to a head and a crossroads between us anyway. So there would have been something that had happened. The fact that my kids... And I, my belief is that it was actually instigated by my son. The fact that it blew up in a way that they tried taking control 
as opposed to like, okay, well, we just can't be around you and we're going to go do whatever. That, that ultimatum was a deliberate attempt at control and dominance, which is a behavior their father used to use. And so that's that approach, the fact that there was the that push and pull around power rather than around relationship would have come out of it whatever would have happened. So I don't make what went on with my kids about Bob at all. And I've been very clear about that all along. There is this part of me though, you know, making that decision over this this last six months or year or so that I've really begun to see what's not working and who I choose to be and how I have changed because of all of this and how I am much more of a mismatch for Bob than I was at the beginning because of these changes within myself, realizing, okay, well, I'm really grateful that I made that initial year really about who do I choose to be because I knew there was a possibility that relationship wouldn't work out. Yeah, we're going to pause right there and take a quick break. But to what you said earlier, I agree. I think whoever you would have found, whether it was Bob, Tom, Dale, or Henry, I think they would have probably landed in the same uh, ultimate spot that it did. You know, they would have had some situation that they disagreed with him, and then they would have taken it to these extremes. We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. 
And we're back. So Lori, you you go from living with the kids 24-7, and then obviously you probably had a small transition where it was just you and your mom, but ultimately Bob ends up moving in. Guys have a bad habit of conforming to what we think a woman wants when we're in the courting stage. So, you know, if we're a little if we're a little bit hot-headed when we're in the courting stage, we're going to act more calm and more patient, you know, like it's part of our nature. Then once you've been with us for 3 months, we're going to have that one day where you see our hot-headedness, you know, and our anger come out. And then that's just one example. You know, we could pretend like we're very clean and then you find out we're not so clean, right? And and so Mm. what I'm wondering is when you did go through this separation from your kids, did Bob move in rather quickly? And were you guys in that courting stage? Like you said, you had so much going on that maybe you didn't notice the differences and how important they were between you and Bob. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, that transition, I mean, it took some time. I mean, yes, we began spending more time together, but it was not a right away kind of thing. I was still trying to feel things out, trying to figure things out. I really wanted to keep space in my life for the kids to come live with me because part of what they actually used to justify even taking the process to court and challenging my parenting rights was, you know, oh, well, you don't have an appropriate living space for the kids to be in. And so I was very clear that, well, I am creating space to have my kids in my life and, you know, challenging that um, accusation. And it was, I want to say, a trumped up accusation in the first place. I mean, the kids had been living with me for six years up to that point, and nobody had had an issue with the living arrangement. Now, let me, let me ask so, you this, though, because w- was it like cramped quarters because your mom was there? Was it like maybe you guys all sh- splitting a one bedroom or something like that where they didn't have their own no. room? No, the kids, I mean... Things changed at different periods of time, but I always made sure that the kids had space. At times, they would share, or uh, especially as they got a little bit older, there was a period of time where I shared a room with my daughter, uh, but you know, my son has his space because they're different genders. So that is a factor at certain ages, you know, but I always made sure that the the space that we had was appropriate for them. And like I said, I mean, even the space, you know, at the time all of this happened, my daughter and I happened to be sharing a room. And for some reason that was used as like inappropriate. And it's like, well, if that's really the case, if you were really concerned about that, then you would have brought it up at some point during the three or four years before that, that, you know, it was going on. So it's not that the, the accusations they were making were literally like, okay, well, we can use this because it's not the most ideal situation. I couldn't afford a large enough place where all three or four of us, if my mom was with it, would have our own rooms. So there, you know, but there was nothing inappropriate about any of it. It was actually something I remember speaking with my legal counsel about. And she said, no, this, there's nothing inappropriate. They came and looked at the space. There was nothing inappropriate at all. It was just something they used in order to start the process. Once the process was started and in the courts, 
the manipulations just blew up from there. Basically, if they would have, if they would have never left your household, does Bob probably not move in? Cause I'd imagine based on you and your daughter sharing a room, if Bob did in theory move in at that point, then all of a sudden you've got a lot of people sharing rooms, right? It was that part of their argument that it would be that way with Bob. Uh, no, no, okay. If- No, it was simply based on me as a parent and the space I had with the kids. Bob and I, at one point, with the idea of having a space for the kids, were looking at apartments and homes that we could move into as a family unit where the kids would have their own rooms and, you know, everybody would have space. We were actually in the process of looking for spaces like that when everything went into the courts. So, like I said, everything was looked at and deemed totally appropriate. It was just an excuse to get the paperwork filed because you have to have a reason to even file the paperwork. So, it was their excuse to get the paperwork filed because it was the only thing that they could think of that might even warrant or, you know, okay, well, if it's a space issue, then there needs to be at least an investigation into it kind of thing. Yeah. It sounds kind of like lawyer strategy to me. Let's throw up as much stuff on the wall and see what sticks. And then, you know, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back with the judge where he, where he ends up deciding to go in their direction. Cause a lot Pretty of people, much. a lot of people go through mediation because they're afraid of the potential answer that the judge will give. You know, you never, lawyers will tell you, you never 100% know what verdict the judge is going to give. So a lot of times they, they do try to mediate with you and you would even mentioned speaking to the mm-hmm. kid's lawyer. So I'm sure that they had plenty of times where they were trying to work stuff out outside of, you know, the judge's jurisdiction, so to speak. Um, so here's an interesting thing, Lori. I'm divorced you're divorced, right? A lot of mm-hmm. our friends in our age group, because we're both similar age, I'm 44, we're, we're in a similar age group where many of our friends have been divorced maybe even two or three times, right? And <laughs> unfortunately, um, somewhere along the lines, people start to grow apart. When your kids are gone, I assume Bob somewhat filled a void. After a while, do, do you and Bob start to realize that maybe you're not so similar and that the things that do separate you ultimately did make you because you're in Salt Lake City now. Mm -hmm. Weren't you and your kids living in in Oregon? Yeah. And I was born and raised in Portland. And that's, you know, the kids where I were living in that area when all of this happened. And once it was complete, Bob and I have moved around a little bit, but it was always in Oregon. So, yeah, I mean, for me, when Bob and I met, I knew that, you know, of course, at some point the kids will graduate high school and there will be some empty nesting. And I had a plan for what at that point would be about an eight to 10 year process of like, okay, here's the things that I want to do during this time so that I can be in my kids' life and raise them and be preparing for when they are on their own and take flight into their lives. Because really, once the kids are graduated and, and adults, I want to do more traveling. I want to do, you know, and I, and I had this plan 
of what I wanted to do with my life before I met Bob and I was working on it when I met him. And so some of our conversations were really around that because it's like, hey, if you're not on board for traveling, we should nip this in the bud kind of thing, you know, because that's that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and he was up for that. There was a lot of compatibility in terms of, you know, here's what I want to do. And he was on board with that. Um, and he wanted a partner in his life who would be involved in the business, who would want more of a traditional style relationship in terms, you know, not necessarily have her own career, but, you know, and not necessarily just be, you know, full-time at home raising the kids kind of thing, but to be more focused on that and a more of a traditional lifestyle. And when he and I met, I was in a place where I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's been something I have wanted to do. And if the relationship works and, you know, the business is working and all of those things, yeah, we can find a way for that to work. When the kids left and I began to redefine who I wanted to be in my life, and I talked about it a little bit in the previous show, but that process of really recognizing, okay, I... I wrapped my entire life around somebody outside of me. It happened to be my kids, but I need to wrap my life and my identity around who I choose to be. And then if this relationship is compatible with that, great. If not, that's got to be okay. So I began to redefine myself and began to realize as I did that, that I really didn't want that traditional role. I wanted to evolve the relationship in a new direction. And so as I came out of the grief and began to realize that about myself, uh, I began to try to work with Bob to adjust and evolve the relationship in a direction that could possibly work for both of us so we could both feel really good about that uh, and there are some things that got evolved, but there are other things that really just became more and more uncompatible. Uh, and I totally admit I was unwilling to negotiate in certain areas and recognize that, you know, he has a right to want what he wants. We each have a right to want what we want. And that's got to be okay at some point. And if it doesn't match, we need to acknowledge that. So, a lot of it was that I was changing. Um, there are some other things that as I changed became triggers for him. And so, other parts of his personality began to be more obvious and come out more that for me became more and more toxic to be around. No, and that's what I, I agree with you completely. So when we're new in a relationship and the newness, you know, some people say, oh, it only lasts three months. No, for some people it can last many years, right? But there comes a point where some things start to come out of the out of the closet, so to speak. One of the things is patience. When you meet somebody, they tend to always like nothing bothers them. Everything rolls off their shoulders. No big deal. And then once you're with them for, you know, let's say a year, year and a half, you realize, oh, there's some things that they hold grudges about that never rolls off their shoulders. And I'm not saying that's the case with Bob. I'm just saying that happens a lot of times in relationships. We have this sort of, I enjoy being around them so much cocktail 
of, <laughs> of feelings that we're going through that we overlook those things. But after a while, I'm sure you'd agree, Lori, some of those things become impossible to overlook, right? They really do. And I mean, I want to acknowledge too, that I am the only one here. I'm fairly certain if Bob were here, he would say, yeah, you had your own traits that came out <laughs> and you know, that kind of thing. So I, you know, I don't want to be sitting here and pointing the finger. So all I can say is that I'm sharing my experience and right. there's always two sides to every story. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, because yeah, there is there is that. I'm I'm sure I became much crankier, and, and in fact, I know I did. And that was one of the things that I did not like what was happening. Because as my choices began to trigger him, you know, it became a downward spiral where I was seeing myself becoming somebody that I didn't like because I was dealing with these triggers. And so I'm sure he would he would have just as much dirt on me as, as I might have on him kind of thing in that regard. Um, you know, but- when I, when I, when, when I would have arguments with my uh, partners, you know, previous years, one of the things I would do is I would take a walk. Mm. Sometimes when you're arguing for a consistent amount of time, you know, or disagreeing, you know, sometimes you, you, you can't always walk it off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There comes, and even when you're on your walk, sometimes you have to, reflect internally and say, God, is this working for me? Do I want to keep compromising and and accepting this uh, behavior or attitude or, you know, financial situation, whatever it might be, or am I ready to kind of take that bold step and move on? And for this one, it would be scary because you no longer have the kids as a support. You're talking about leaving the support that is Bob, right? and becoming Lori and individual, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that must have been a little scary. Were you going through these thoughts in your head of, oh my goodness, am I ready to be 100% solo? Oh yeah, and like I said, it, it, going through that process, I was aware it could come to that one day. Uh, and so that, that was not lost on me. That was very much part of the process. Also, part of the process has been that I have been working in his business, and so my income has been tied to him. And so, walking out is like, okay, well, not only have I lost the kids, I walked away from a career that I was building at the time in order to participate in this way. So, now I don't have my own career or self-sustaining Play, you know, financial piece in my life. I have devoted my time for several years to other projects that he really wanted that were his dreams. And really, while I was starting to introduce my own dreams and my own projects into my life, they hadn't taken off yet. But by introducing them, that was one of the pieces that became a source of conflict. It was an ongoing like, well, you know, he would share with me his frustration that his project isn't taking off and accuse me of like, well, if you would just spend more time with it instead of all that time on what you're doing, then it would have taken off. And it's like, well, why can't we find a way to work through this together? There are things I believe he could and should have been doing that he was leaving on my plate simply because he didn't want to do them. And it's like, well, but if we both take responsibility, we could be doing these things together rather than leaving them all on my plate. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because when I was in my 20s, one of the uh, girlfriends that I've had, 
um, you know, you're working with them for, let's say, six, seven, eight hours a day, potentially, maybe not in your guys's case, but in, in mine, I was. And then we're going home and living together. And before you know it, over the course of a month, you're seeing this person way more than you should. Sometimes it's good to separate business from family and friends. It sounds like this might have been one of those, right? Because if all of a sudden you're a good partner, but a horrible business partner, you know, those things can make it where it kind of hurts, hurts both sides. So we're going to take a super quick break and then we're going to get to uh, the final new and improved Lori as, as we have her today. So we'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. How is your business plan working out? Could it use improvement? A lot of companies don't even examine their business plans, let alone review and revise it on a regular basis. Tune in to Let's Talk Business with Phaedra. Host Phaedra Hanks has years of experience helping businesses with their strategic planning. Now she's ready to bring you the tips to business success from startup to success. Tune in Fridays at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. And we're back for our final segment. Lori, I want to thank you again for being on not only last week, but for this week's show as well. I really appreciate you. And I know it's not always you know, easy to discuss about what's going on in our present or past lives. Or sometimes for some people, it's not even fun to talk about the future. <laughs> but so let me ask you this then. Ultimately, um, you and Bob have decided to kind of part ways. You're in Salt Lake City now. I assume Bob and even your kids and everybody still live in that northwest part of the country up there in Oregon. <laughs> what, uh, what got in your head to decide that I don't want to maybe move across town? I'm going to go ahead and move across the states. <laughs> Actually, I've heard each of my kids are out of state in different parts of the country now, too. So we've all spread out. Um, but yeah, as far as Bob and I go, one of the things that I really began to 
realize is, you know, there were, there were behaviors that would be triggered. And I, I wound up coming across a program uh, that served as very deep, meaningful learning for me about what is narcissism and how does it show up. And how it was explained is like, to, well, you know, on, on some, some level, we're all narcissistic. We can only see the world through our own lens, right? But there's the healthy version. And then on the spectrum, it goes like way off the deep end, you know? So everybody is somewhere in between. Where, where was Bob? Um, I would say he's dysfunctional in relationship and can't work things out. I would not say he's completely off the deep end. He has a very kind, compassionate side to him, which is the side of him that I'd fallen in love with, was the kind, compassionate side to him. The, the challenge is, and how I, I really appreciated the program described it, is that for many people who are sort of normal in other ways, the narcissistic traits are a coping mechanism that are triggered. It's not who they are, but they can be triggered. And that's, and so it feels like living with Jekyll and Hyde. There are others further down the spectrum where that's just all that they have become. It's like they're always triggered and there is nothing else left to them. He really does have a kind, compassionate, caring side to him. But when he's triggered, he becomes something else altogether. And it's interesting because I, there are many, many people, he, he is a, a public-ish sort of figure. He's very out there. We were in the same spiritual community. And I hesitate only because if somebody knows me, they're going to know who I'm really talking about here. And nobody knows that side of him except for me. Even, you know, when we were living in a household with other roommates, they would see pieces, but they never saw that side of him. Only I have. And so it makes me sound like I'm crazy. (laughs) No, people are excellent at hiding these things. Um, I I know this firsthand. You know, you can have a situation. And some people are loyal to a T. So, for example, when I was married, I would sometimes tell my my sisters and and my brothers-in-law, you know, my God, you know, your sister here, she can be really this, that, and the other, right? And they would kind of chuckle, but they were still very loyal to her. So when I went through the Mm -hmm. divorce... And I brought up those same things, you know, all of a sudden they weren't chuckling and agreeing. All of a mm-hmm. sudden they were, you know, <laughs> on mm-hmm. the other side. And the reality is, is when she was in front of friends and family, she didn't necessarily show those negative uh, traits like you're saying. And right. if they did see it, they only saw a small sliver. So I know exactly what you're saying there. And, and I can totally a- a- agree with that. Now, Ann, though, um, you said that we all suffer from narcissism uh, every now and then, right? <laughs> so would he, would he if, if, if Bob were here, would he be saying kind of similar things that, you know, well, they don't really know this about you as well? Oh, I mean, he might, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. Um, so, Lorianne, here's the crazy question. Sometimes <laughs> people break up with others and one of the two doesn't even know or see the breakup coming. Was this one where you guys had talked about it in advance and said, okay, you know, this is what we're going to do. Or is this where one day Lori gets in the car and says, I'm going to Salt Lake City. <laughs> see it. See you never. Is it one of those? Um, 
in my mind, I was letting him know. It's like, look, here's something we need to work out that's not working for me. Here's a situation, you know, and it was an, for me, it was an ongoing effort for at least six months or longer to say, look, for this relationship to work for me, here's what I need. It's not working. Work with me. And what he began to do was, you know, if I brought up, you know, it's like, hey, you said something that was hurtful. His response would be, well, I can't control your feelings. And I'm like, well, no, but I'm trying to share with you what you said was hurtful and you are responsible for what comes out of your mouth. And so I'm trying to share feedback here and and work it out with you. And he would simply say, well, but I'm not responsible for your feelings. So you need to figure that out. And it's like, well, okay, that's not working out a problem. That's ignoring the problem. Now, when you talk right now, that would be an ideal argument, right? Where we're, we're keeping our voices low and we're talking like <laughs> rational people. But in real arguments, sometimes you get the spit coming out of the mouth and the, <laughs> and the vein throbbing forehead, right? Oh, yeah. And so did you guys have any arguments where you said, Lori, I need to get out of here? You know, your internal voice said, I got to get out of here. Was it any like that? Or were you guys always able to keep it pretty conversational? And <laughs> No, I can, if I'm angry, I, you know, I do raise my voice and that would be something that would trigger him. Um, and he would, you know, but I what I began to do was learn how to regulate my voice. But then he would say I was yelling at him anyway, simply because I was upset, even if I wasn't yelling. You know, there would be situations, you know, and I would try to tell him, look, here's my perspective on what's going on here. And he began to tell me, well, that's just your story. You're just telling yourself this story. And it's like, well, I'm trying to share with you my perspective and here's what I need. And he's like, oh, well, that's just a story you're telling yourself. I have no control over it. So it became this place of like, no matter what I did, if I raised my voice or stayed calm, if I tried to, you know, have a conversation, if I tried to ask what, it didn't matter what I did. It always came down to, it's my problem, not his. And I was the one who needed counseling. I was the one who needed to grow up. I was the one who needed to change. He was doing just fine. In fact, at one point I suggested, hey, you know, clearly this isn't working. We're arguing all the time. You're not happy either. I can see that. Why don't we go to counseling? Why don't we get a third person who can help us sort out the things that clearly we're not sorting out? And his response was, he does really well in relationship. I'm the one with my history who has issues. Well, looking at his history, to my awareness, according to him and his friends, throughout his life, his relationships have been three to five years. We were at about six years. I think he had one that lasted eight. Um, so I'm like, okay, so if you're so great at relationship, why aren't they lasting? <laughs> and now, didn't wait, like that question. <laughs> there are some people out there that have a new relationship every month that'll say, isn't five years considered a lifetime? <laughs> You know, maybe for a dog, right? But uh, no, you're you're exactly you're exactly right. So, 
it does there end up being a moment? So it sounds like you guys were talking about counseling, even though he declined the offer because he's pretty solid in relationships. You're not. But then when you <laughs> threw up facts of, well, you don't really go beyond four or five years other than that one time you had an eight year relationship. So all of a sudden it looks like there's two imperfect people. Do you decide to get in your car, pack your stuff and leave one day? Or is it, hey, I'm leaving at the end of the month? And was, was there an it, it became something. So after six months of really trying literally everything, um, and I actually approached him about counseling on three different occasions over about a month and a half period. And so what's interesting is he has a longstanding pattern of not following through and also of, of changing his mind back and forth on decisions. So he'll make a decision and then come back the next day and go, okay, no, let's change it. And then come back the next day, let's change it again. You know, that kind of thing. And so the last time I approached him, he actually agreed to counseling, but then 24 hours later said, well, no, let's do it this way instead and yada, yada. And so I, I actually had already had plans to go to a women's retreat here in Salt Lake City. And so when I left for the retreat, after spending all this time, you know, trying to work things out, noticing the patterns that were not working for me, trying to share with him, look, your pattern of not following through and your pattern of flip-flopping on decisions breaks trust consistently. And if there's no trust, what is there? So this needs to be worked on. But that, of course, was just a story I was making up um, in his world. So I went to the women's retreat having come to a point where I knew I needed an out and I knew I needed help getting out because, like I said, my financial life was wrapped up in his business. And if I was walking away, I was walking away. Um, I was fortunate enough to have received some settlement money from a case that had been going on for years. It's completely and entirely unrelated to any of this. Um, and that money had come in, in in March. And so I had some of that to work with. <clears throat> Thank God. Right? Yeah. Thank goodness. But I knew it, you know, it's like I still need help because that's not going to sustain me more than a couple of months kind of thing. So I went to the women's retreat knowing that. You drove there or flew? Um, I wound up driving. Uh, and so, so you got a nice long drive. You probably listened to a little <laughs> country music along the way, right? Some areas you only get country, right? And so what I'm thinking is, was there a piece of you that rolled down the window, smelled the fresh air and just thought, oh my God, I'm doing this. Or when you went there, were you still not 100% broken up? Um, I was in a place where I knew I needed to. I didn't know how yet. And it was actually on that drive that I listened to that program about what is narcissism and how does it show up and how does it impact the other person in the relationship. And it even included what to expect when you're trying to get out of that kind of relationship. So I actually spent that drive listening to that program, which actually is what helped, one, me realize I wasn't insane because um, that was actually something that was going on also, especially the last six months, as he started telling me that didn't happen. You know, and I'm like, wait, but we had a conversation yesterday. You said that. And he's like, no, that didn't happen. And I got to the point, I literally thought I was losing my mind because it was so consistent 
that he would say that to me. So I had started journaling about, okay, we had this conversation today. Here's what it was about. That becomes creepy because then you start saying, no, I'm not losing my mind, but he might be losing his, right? So I'd well, imagine either, was, either that or denial. is probably denial more than losing his mind, right? He would. Just- well, and it was actually something that came up in that program I was listening to that that is an incredibly common trait of narcissism because it's it's one of the ways they erode your self-confidence and self-esteem because at the end of the day, they're feeding off of your energy and they need you to stay. So the less self-confidence and the less self-esteem you have, you're more likely to stay. But those were the aspects of myself I had been deeply working on and building up by de- redefining myself throughout the last those last couple of years. So that was part of where these triggers were getting triggered and he was starting to implement unconsciously. I do believe by the way all of it is unconscious. It, it coping mechanisms that are just dysfunctional. But so, Lori, designed we, to keep me. In we place. have we have about 3 minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself staying just Ann for a while or do you, are you still that romantic at heart like I am where you're <laughs> hoping you'll turn the corner one day and see Prince Charming or what, what's going to happen with, with your immediate future? Uh, you've got about three minutes. Thank you. Um, you know, when I left, when I got back from the women's retreat and I let Bob know I was leaving, um, he was shocked. He thought we had agreed to counseling. He went off the handle and it was about a week and a half before I was able to actually walk out the door. I had some other pieces to get into place, but that the women must at have the been retreat a, were helping. That, that must have been a miserable week and a half where you're seeing each other, but not, <sighs> but not talking, right? Oh, no. Every th- he came undone. He pulled out every stop. I heard... It was a week and a half to two weeks of daily everything that's wrong with me and everything I did wrong. And then he would turn around and say, could you help me with this? Because I'd been handling all the computer stuff for so long, he didn't know any of it. And I finally had to say, look, either you treat me with some level of respect or you're on your own with the computer stuff. I'm not helping. And so he finally reined himself in a little bit, but it was hell. It was And I was glad that I had the narcissistic program that I had listened to on the drive because it it went through like, yes, this is what's going to happen. And he did that to a T. That's kind of scary when they're they're that right. So are are you still a romantic at heart where you do feel like there is going to be a a different prince in shining armor? You know, at this stage, I am very, very focused on... Who do I choose to be in the world? How do I choose to to show up? And what is the lifestyle I choose to create? And I trust that at the right time, sometime in the future, I will be sharing my life with somebody again, but it will be on a set of terms. It's like, here's who I am. Take it or leave it. Good for you. Either it works for both of us or it works for neither of us. So I'm I'm creating me first. Well, and you got and you gotta be yourself because like I described earlier, if you conform to something you're not, they're gonna eventually Mm -hmm. find out the truth. So I wanna thank you once again for coming on Jesse Jameson and Friends.
And I want to let everyone at home know to please tune in again next week when we have another person share another story. So Lori, thank you so much for being on. You want to say goodbye to everybody with me? Well, thank you so much. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.